There have been some scandalous monarchs in history, rulers whose volatile lives should be written in blood instead of ink. But trust me when I say that none of them compares to Mary, Queen of Scots. Absolutely not. From her crowning as a mere newborn to her infamous violent end at the sharp edge of an axe, it's a shame that so many people are sleeping on the balls to the wall story of Mary, Queen of Scots. So buckle up and get ready for an absolute gong show of a reign with special guest appearances by Blue Pea, Bishop spitting into babies' mouths, and of course, suspiciously convenient deaths. All this and we so much more as we tell you about the banana pants reign of Mary, Queen of Scots, the fair devil of Scotland. Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. I'm Veronica. I'm Dancy. And this series has one goal, to make history fun. Because it turns out that when you take away the old words and the fancy titles, anyone who made history was probably a bit of a hot mess. This week, as part of our series on our favorite queens in history, we're discussing Mary, Queen of Scots. Uh, And when you compare her to other English queens like Elizabeth and Bloody Mary, sometimes it feels like our Mary just doesn't get enough love. Well, no longer. Let's dive in and convince you that Mary, Queen of Scots is your new tragic fave. Dancy loves Mary, Queen of Scots. This is well established in the canon of our friendship. I am a relatively new convert, but now that I've seen the light, I need to make everyone in my life see it too. I mean, I don't even know if love is the right word. It's sort of that morbid attraction you feel when you watch a train wreck. This is a very good point. Like, her life is a roller coaster. There is not a lull. Nary a lull. It takes hold from when she's a literal baby, and it doesn't let go until she gets executed by her own cousin. So let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. So Mary, Queen of Scots, was born in 1542 to King James V of Scotland and his feisty wife, also named Mary, because at this time in history, England had like five names and you had to choose between them. That was it. You couldn't do much about it. Just a thousand million Marys wandering around the land. So just six days after our Mary's birth, her father collapses, maybe like dirty water, or he was just really nervous from being the king. We don't know why he died, but we do know that now that James is dead, he leaves Mary, who is, by the way, still an actual baby, to become the Queen of Scotland, which is no pressure. Now, you would probably expect that having a baby in charge of a country would not be a good idea. And yes, correct, immediately everything goes to shit. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, this isn't actually, it's not actually Mary's fault, just to be clear. She's just gurgling along. She's being great. She's an innocent child. (laughs) She's not at fault at all. So I'll set the scene for you. Um, The real problem here is not Mary. It is Henry VIII, the notorious historical fuckboy extraordinaire. Man, I couldn't I couldn't have guessed that Henry VIII would have been a problem maker. Never would have known. That's not his entire brand. <laughs> so Henry VIII, as we already know, is obsessed with the idea of a son and obsessed with power. So clearly, once Mary becomes the Queen of Scotland, he's like, let me marry my two out of two interests and get my son, Edward, to marry baby Mary so that I can gain control of Scotland. However, Scotland knows what's up. They know that Henry VIII is a big mess. And they're like, not down, hard pass. And they've also been like, for actual centuries, just been like, no, England, no, you can't have power. No, 
fuck off. Bye. England no. is thirsty <laughs> for Scotland, and Scotland is not having it. But because Henry is not a subtle guy, he just like immediately, okay, fine. You know, you don't want me to flirt with you via diplomatic marriages. That's cool. That's cool. No big deal. I'll just immediately attack you and just force you into letting me play Cupid. God damn it. So Scotland is like, oh, this guy. And they know he sucks. So they team up with France. And once Scotland and France get together, they're like, let's make it official. Let's engage tiny baby Mary to our tiny baby French prince, who is originally named Francis. I wonder where they got that inspiration from. (laughs) (laughs) So she's living at the French court with her toddler fiance. She grows up there. Then when she's 16, she gets married to her fiance, who is 14, because history loves making people who are basically children make lifelong commitments. The minute they can have babies. Pretty much. However, Mary's first marriage hits a snag. Her father-in-law, the King of France, dies while jousting, which means, yes, actual teenagers are now controlling the fate of France. But not for long, because guess what? There is apparently a rule back in 1500s Europe that everyone that Mary loves has to die. Hello, darkness, my old friend. At this time, her father-in-law dies. And also, like, this wasn't just her father-in-law, right? She's lived in France for the last, I don't know, 10 years. (laughs) She probably knew this guy pretty well. Then her mom dies back in Scotland. Then Francis, her husband, the teenage husband, he also dies. He gets an ear infection and it goes really catastrophically wrong. So our girl Mary is 18. She is an orphan and a widow. Which is bad, but she is also on a brighter note. Well, I'm young, free, and so Mary at this point is now a widow and she heads back to Scotland. She's kind of slash kind of kicked out of France. Like they're like, okay, we don't need you anymore because, you know, everyone you know is dead here. So she's back in Scotland and this now turns into like the 16th century bachelorette because she wants to find husband number two. Partly because if you're a woman at that time, a lot of the way that you could find or hold on to power was to marry a dude. And around this time, while Mary's casting about for a husband, we get the beginnings of the rivalry between her and her cousin, Queen Elizabeth I. Mary is Catholic, Elizabeth is Protestant and has no heir, and there are a lot of Catholics in England who want Mary on the English throne. And just as a side note, Elizabeth and Mary never met, but their whole lives are centered around this Game of Thrones and this tension between them. So they've already got this kind of frenemy quality going on. They are family. They are both queens. They're both women in power. They've got a lot to connect on. But then there's, you know, woman gotta be always pitted against woman today and back then. And so they have this bit of tension about that. In this atmosphere, Elizabeth does something real weird. (laughs) She knows Mary is kind of looking for hubby number two. So she sends her own man, Robert Dudley, who is also very much rumored to be her lover and says, hey, hey, Rob, go marry Mary Queen of Scots. Try to try to become her next her next husband. Why aren't they dating? You okay, Elizabeth? (laughs) Yeah. And actually, Elizabeth had this really weird plan where she was like, what she wanted was for Mary Queen of Scots and Robert Dudley to get married. And then they would come live in the English court with her in like a weird menage a trois. Kinky. 
So Mary was actually kind of like, okay, yeah. Robert Dudley was pretty hot. And Dudley was like, no, 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 no. I love you, Elizabeth, but I'm not fucking doing this for you. Like, no, absolutely not. (sighs) So that all went down the drain. And in the end, gotta say, Robert Dudley might have been right for not wanting to become Mary's husband. (laughs) Because it was a position that uh, no one really made it out alive. So to that end... The guy that Mary finds as her second husband. She meets Lord Darnley. And please cue ominous music for this. Because this did not go well. What I know about this man is that he's bad news, but he's like sexy bad news. Oh, yeah. He's a hunky, hunky man. He was called the long lad because he was super tall. And Mary, as it happens, was actually 5'11", really tall for the period, even tall for nowadays. So that worked well for her. She was like pretty into how tall he was. And, you know, I love it. I love it when I see a tall girl with a tall guy. I know there's a a lot of things about like, why do like short girls get all the tall men? Like tall girls need the tall guys. Dancy's tall in case you couldn't figure that out. (laughs) I I actually don't have that hang-up, but I do know people who do. Anyway, they they were, you know, this glanky, glamorous couple. Also, he was her cousin, so there's that. They're all cousins. It doesn't even phase me anymore. Give me a sibling, then see if I react. <laughs> yeah. But Mary is totally dickmatized. She calls Darnley, quote, the lustiest and best proportioned long man that she had seen. <laughs> Get it, Mary? Yes, and so she marries Darnley in a fit of passion in the summer of 1565. She doesn't ask her advisors. She doesn't ask the Pope, which is a huge deal. She's just like, no, I gotta sleep with this guy. She's too horned up. Except Darnley not so secretly sucked. He was super vain, which, you know, can happen when you're super good looking. He had a drinking problem, and he also had a violent side. He was also jealous, And I just want everyone to sit down before I continue because you're going to want something to hold on to here. Hold on to your butts. Mary gets pregnant the same year that they marry, but Darnley somehow gets it in his head that the baby is not his child, but is actually the child of Mary's private secretary, David Rizzio. So what does he do? Bring it up calmly. (laughs) Okay. Darnley storms into a room and kills Rizzio in front of his pregnant wife. Whoa. Yeah. Like, stabs him over 50 times. Even for Renaissance England, that's fucked up. So unsurprisingly, after this, Mary doesn't trust her husband anymore. (laughs) She, I don't know why. She gives birth to a boy, James, who's the future James I of England. But all she's talking about is, quote, the problem of Darnley, which is an understatement. And what (laughs) she's going to do about him. Sidebar, sidebar. I need to fulfill my promise of Bishop spitting into baby's mouth that I tempted our listeners with at the top. So when baby James gets baptized, it was like a tradition for the bishop to spit in the baby's mouth. And our girl Mary wisely was like, uh, pass. No, she did not let this happen. Yeah, she's like, ew, gross. Did you know my dad died from disgusting water? Like, what if you kill my baby? Who she named after her dad. (laughs) It all makes sense. Uh, Yes, yes. 
Well, no, it's because there, she was just one of the names she could choose. One of four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mary's, um, her life's a little 50-50 right now. She's got a newborn babe, healthy boy, everything you want uh, when you're a 16th century woman. But then she's also got this admittedly banging hot husband, but he is violent and just killed some man in front of her. Holy shit. I can't believe that the plot thickens more than that, but the plot thickens people. (laughs) You get into like this bizarre other realm when it comes to Mary's life. Yeah, her life is like a period drama meets true crime. So in early 1567, both Darnley and his valet are found stone dead outside of one of Mary's estates right after an explosion rocked the castle. But get this, Darnley didn't die from the explosion, he died after someone smothered him. Just sit with that for a minute, because there's an explosion, Mary's husband is now dead, but he's dead from strange circumstances no one can explain that aren't the explosion. Like, what? Like, what? Okay, A, suspicious death. B, explosion was definitely a cover-up, right? They smother him, then they blow the place up, and then they figure that no one will check the body because clearly he must have died in the explosion. You solved it. Yeah! (laughs) Well, we don't know. It is still a mystery. The explosion was set to go off right underneath Darnley's rooms, so that's pretty suspicious. And there's like, it's possible that it exploded and he ran away and then someone killed him. Either way, definitely suspicious death. Uh, almost a hundo percent a homicide. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was Mary. (laughs) Mary did it. Yeah, people suspected Mary. Innocent until proven guilty. We've never been able to prove what happened. But people uh, did have some good reasons to suspect her, as we'll Mm -hmm. see. So, let's recap. Mary, her husband has just dropped dead of some pretty weird circumstances. What does she do? Does she deflect suspicion by playing the grieving widow card? Hell no! Literal days after his death, Mary starts hooking up with another court hottie. (laughs) This guy's name is James Hepburn, and he is the Earl of Bothwell. Now, I think Mary might have been kind of a horned up lass, and I sympathize. It's a hard life. It was a repressed time. Women were treated poorly, but this was not a great move. She just needed better taste in men. I, w- I like she. She can get her mm, rocks off. Mm. Just choose better men, Mary. She likes a bad boy, mm-hmm. the worst kind of bad boy. Like we're not talking Jess from Gilmore Girls, like Heart of Gold, bad. <laughs> we're, talking- we're talking Logan from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know what just happened? You got Hansberger. Anyway, uh, let's get back to our Renaissance Logan. So Mary just starts aggressively pursuing the Earl of Bothwell. And this is not a great idea because people are pretty suspicious of her already. And it's also not a great idea because Bothwell is already married (laughs) to another woman. Come on, Mary. (laughs) So people are really mad about her and Bothwell for a variety of reasons. People even start to suspect that maybe Mary and Bothwell both plotted Darnley's death. Like they had a thing Mm -hmm, before he mm -hmm. died and they off him so that they can get it on. There was a trial that was supposed to get to the bottom of this but mary intervened and screwed around with the justice system to keep her boo safe you can do when you're the queen corrupt the system for your own gains and this was very very bad optics but if you think that this is as bad as the optics get oh just wait so right after his sham trial 
Bothwell runs around making people support the idea of him and Mary getting married. Then he divorces his wife. Then he abducts Mary. Like straight up kidnaps her. And then he marries her. So like, is this the weirdest wedding you've ever heard of? People to this day don't understand what happened. Was Mary an unwilling participant in Bothwell's kidnap plot? Was it some weird role play? (laughs) Yeah, some freaky deaky role play for these kids. Or did they like plot it together and Mary could be like, I had to marry him. He made me. We don't really know. So wild. I personally think that she was the mastermind behind this and she totally plotted out every second of it. Interesting. I think I lean toward Bothwell is a really awful man, but the problem with Mary, it's really sometimes hard to not be like, everything just happened to her. She was battered about by the winds of fate. And mm. I do like giving her agency because she had it and she was very smart. And Oh, yeah. But something about Bothwell, man. I just don't like the guy. <laughs> yeah, he really is bad news. That's a good point. Anyways, so Mary is now married for the third time? Third Third time. Impressive, Mm -hmm. Mary. Mm -hmm. And as though you needed to be told, Mary's third marriage is a lesson to you. Do not marry the toxic, dangerous hot guy because he is a bad long-term prospect and Mary comes to learn this the hard way. Very soon after her kidnapping slash wedding, her relationship with Bothwell, I mean, I'd say starts to fall apart, but I think when you have to call it a kidnapping slash wedding, it's already on thin ice from the start (laughs) so her relationship's falling apart people are turning on her scotland starts to think mary is a murderer an adulterer and they start to want her to get the heck off the throne at this point in mary's life it's where i start just being like oh mary you're jumping the shark you know (laughs) like how does this happen to one person give us some filler mary (laughs) go eat some crinkle cut chips put your feet up watch some riverdale well she doesn't (laughs) (laughs) so scotland starts wanting to get mary off the throne on july 24th of 1567 the government locks mary in jail forces her to give up the crown and gives power to her infant son james So TLDR, Mary's life right now, sucks pretty hard, but she sweet talks her jailkeeper into letting her escape. Then she raises thousands of men, fights her own ex-subjects who kicked her off the throne. And by the way, these people are led by her own brother. So she's going head to head with her own brother. It's just nuts. And then, unfortunately, this like rousing montage hits a snag. Her fight goes pretty poorly. Mary is forced to run away, and she makes a disastrous error. Mary asks her cousin, Freaky Queen Elizabeth, for help. But before we get into the second act of Elizabeth and Mary's iconic rivalry, let's check back in on our favorite guy, Bothwell! (laughs) What's he up to? Where's he been? So, the Scots wisely exile Bothwell. Good for you, Scotland. You go, Scotland. He runs away to Denmark, hilariously, to try to shack up with one of his secret girlfriends. What a guy. (laughs) (laughs) However, she does not take him back. Good girl. He ends up in prison. And yes, prison is not the best, but Bothwell's was especially bad. This guy was chained to a post for 11 years 
went crazy and died. So, you know, he's a bad man, (laughs) but that's overkill, I think. I don't wish that on my worst enemy. And he is my worst enemy. So, yeah, I, I don't wish it on him. And that's the end of Bothwell. But back to Mary. Last we saw her, she was begging for Queen Elizabeth's help. What does Elizabeth do? Imprisons her. At this point, Elizabeth's like, oh, this girl's like a hot watch. She's hot. And everyone's after her. And I don't know what to do. So I'm I'm just gonna... Just gonna press pause on the Mary situation. Yeah, yeah. And put her in like a genteel prison. Because as we know, Mary was a hell of a charmer. She charmed her way out of uh, one prison before. And she was really known for being witty and fun and smart. She knew like a million languages. So Elizabeth's like, okay, here's a compromise, Mary. You're a captive in England, but you know, your prison's going to be just castles. And uh, Mary got fresh linen. She had her own chefs. She got supplies, like beauty supplies, because one of the things she did was to wash her face in wine, and her captors would pay for these supplies. This is like that scene in Goodfellas when they're making like this really elaborate pasta and they're all in jail, but really it's like luxury jail. It's like a hotel you can't leave. (laughs) I'm not going to sing Hotel California right now, but I thought about it. So it was a luxury jail. Now, it's still prison uh, and it took a huge toll on her body. Her hair went completely gray and when she was near the end of her life, it was really obvious that she had all these physical problems and... how do I make this about prison abolition? <laughs> it's like it's like it doesn't matter how nice the prison is, you know. You're still in fucking prison. So, it's no wonder that she wanted out, and Queen Elizabeth kept getting wind that Mary was involved in plots to escape, to take the throne, to assassinate Elizabeth. Naturally. She wasn't always in these plots. Some of these were just rumors. Mary managed to stay alive for nearly two decades. Until 1586. That's when Elizabeth's spymaster finally finds absolute proof that Mary is involved in a plot, the Babington plot. She was communicating with their sympathizers, and the plan was to assassinate Elizabeth and put her on the throne. What a way to treat your jailer. This woman clothes you, (laughs) imprisons you, and you repay her how? (laughs) This was the end for Mary. Elizabeth signed her cousin's death warrant on February 1st, 1587. Ice cold. A week later, Mary goes to the chopping block. And I really hate to say this after all the freaking tragedy that Mary has been through, but it was not a good end. The executioner didn't get a clean cut, so he had to take several swings to sever her head. There's a story that her lips were still moving, and when the executioner picked the head up to show the crowd, her wig came off, and it revealed her short gray hair as her her head tumbled away. There's also a really heartbreaking story, possibly legend, that her little terrier came out from underneath her skirts and pined after his master. Just... Just sad. Execution is horribly sad, but a sad dog? Mm-mm, nope. Oh, yeah. That, that's the worst. Too that's far. Worst. Too far. Too far! God! And to top it all off, her son, uh, King James I, he'd stayed out of this so far. He'd basically all but abandoned his mother, and after her death, 
same deal. He didn't intervene at all. After all, he wanted to be Elizabeth's heir and take over England, and he did. So he got what he wanted, and his mom got the executioner's blade. For Elizabeth's part, she claimed afterward that she had no idea that her ministers were going to fulfill the death warrant so quickly. And she claimed she felt really, really guilty about it and that she didn't want it to happen. But it could have been a PR move. And that's how Mary Queen of Scots' roller coaster life ends. Not with a whimper, but with a bang. And with blue pee, because I have to mention that she had porphyria and it turns your pee blue. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Lightening the mood a little bit there. At the I promised the people blue pee and I'm delivering blue <laughs> pee. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to learn more about Mary Queen of Scots, check out our article on her. The link is in the show notes. Please leave us a review on the iTunes store and tell your friends about the podcast. We'll be back next week with another iconic queen to tell you about. Until then, don't let the bland textbooks fool you. History was a damn soap opera. 